Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is Athletically Declines weekly show, The Roundtable. And we have a beautiful lineup for you this evening. For those of you that have been with us through the last show, we had the mound visit, our boy Kyle Clouncy coming in with a sweet interview. Guys, make sure you go check that out uh, after this. It was just awesome. First guest, Logan Taylor. Uh, former a and uh, baseball player, uh, and then also got to play some minor league ball with the Mariners. Super cool, great guy, very good dude. Um, so we got Craig, Kyle, Spence, Mr. Fantasy. Uh, Sly's going to be pulling in here hopefully uh, in a little bit. Um, I might be popping in and out. Got some stuff kind of single parenting at home, so got to get the boy to bed. So if y'all see me popping in and out, guys, I'm sorry. I'll be ninja-like. So... But go ahead and uh, let's get it kicked off. Clancy, you wanna you wanna take the reins? So baseball, we'll uh, we're gonna stay away from our fandom at one point and we'll work it back. But kind of the thing that has happened this week has been injuries, everything relating around injuries. So um, I ran it on Shohei Otani a little bit and kind of how he'd already had Tommy John surgery and still managed to DH. Uh, for the season in which he had the surgery. Um, something similar is happening with uh, Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper made his season debut. Um, he had Tommy John surgery at the end of November. So that's just under a six-month return time uh, from Tommy John, which is unheard of. He Granted, he is a position player. Um, the emphasis on the arm isn't quite as heavy, obviously. Um, he made his... Season debut less than six months after the surgery uh, and hit, uh, I believe the term is oppo taco, hit an oppo taco that night too. So he's back in full swing. So position players coming back at that quick of a rate is, it's good. It's interesting. Um, to bring it back, he looks like he's headed to do kind of the same thing. We were, he's out with, um, broken finger uh i want to say the thumb maybe from the world baseball classic um he took batting practice on saturday and parked six homers in uh seattle so it looks like a rehab assignment is coming for him uh and we may get him back ahead of time as well so um see a couple of position players uh working hard to get back to the field we've got Almost the opposite for pitchers. Um, but if you're an Astros fan, like most of us, you took it in the teeth this last week. Jose Urquidy, um getting shut down, headed for the IL. Uh, the return time on that is speculated to be around the All-Star break. So I think it was shoulder inflammation. Um, something that required him to be shut down for about a month. Don't throw, don't do anything. Um, and then literally the next day, Luis Garcia is on the mound, eight pitches in, uh, calls a trainer out, pull him out, run MRIs, and he's having Tommy John. So his year is done. Donezo. Um, for Astros fans, it's kind of a concern I had from the beginning. JV's gone. Um, starters are running thin. The farm isn't that stacked as far as Starters, guys that can come up and fill the gap. Um, we got to start from JP France on Saturday. Look good. Uh, a lot of optimism there. Like he could be what hops in and what helps bridge the gap. 
Brandon Belak also got the call up. Um, take it or leave it. Not bad. <laughs> um, at, it's one of those. He gave up like I think three runs in the Progressive and two runs uh, on the last one. So if you give up two runs and lose, it's not really his fault. Um, but I think we're at a point. The point I'm trying to make. One of two things has to happen. One. Dana Brown got to pick up the phone and make a move, which the other thing we saw today, Chaz McCormick just came back. Uh, Ryland Brandon was optioned down to AAA. Um, Brantley is also supposed to be back this week, which means somebody else is getting sent down. Um, we're starting to get a little bit of overlap, and hopefully what I was talking about with these guys coming up getting exposure, it, now is the time to pull the trigger on something like that. We're not at a trade deadline. Guys aren't quote unquote desperate yet. Um, the other theory I have would be, uh, it'd be interesting. I don't think they'll do it, but it's almost a money ball approach to pitching. And what kind of we see now is we keep going back to the Tampa Rays and I know, sorry guys, I know everybody hates it, but the Tampa Bay Rays have always been creative in their approach to pitching. So they were kind of the first team to use openers. They'll have a reliever come in, throw one time through the order, whether it be in, in the would-be starter. Um, they're very different on how they fill out the lineup in regards to pitchers. So your roster typically has about 25 guys. Most teams historically carry about 12, 13 pitchers. And history dictates that it's five starters, a closer, a setup guy, a seventh inning guy, a lefty specialist. There's all these designated spots for it. And the race just kind of threw caution to the wind. They say, nope, I'm taking the 13 best arms out there. And that's what we're going to play. Um, the Padres have kind of mirrored it too, just because of a talent backlog and on the farm. I think that's doing that. Um, Force Whitley consistently has trouble staying healthy. Um, I think that means he's not a starter. He's got good stuff, but I'd rather have three innings of Forrest Whitley at the top of his game for a full season than two months of it uh, and he gets hurt again or gets slapped around, whatever it would be. Um, I think as much as it hurts to say, you have to say the same thing for Lance McCullers. Lance McCullers has absolutely filthy movement on his pitches. Um, bury me in the H. The whole town loves him, right? health has to be the concern. So I would rather have four innings, three, four innings of McCullers out of the pen than counting on him and waiting on him to come back to the rotation because we're in desperation mode. Um, they need to be looking at everything. So it'll be an interesting couple of weeks for the Strohs just to see how everything is adapted, if you will, and see how they go from there. But um, yeah, I would... I'm going to toot our own horn at athletically decline because I think what we're seeing uh, Sly actually called earlier is that these guys go, they compete in the world baseball classic. They have no break. There is no rest recovery. And I think that may be a repercussion of the world baseball classic. Um, so very interesting time. I think the owners know it too. There's no telling what kind of contract stipulations get put in the future like hey we'll give you this guarantee but you can't go play in the classic how the players union will respond just a lot going on interesting time for baseball yeah i think 
I had a, I thought of a scenario in my head while you were talking just now, and there might not be a whole lot of value there, but do you think you could trade away? Who's the second baseman? Dubon. Right. Once Altuve so, comes back, you think you could trade him for a potential starter? Anything's possible. So his, a lot of his value comes in his versatility defensively. So I think you could. I also think they're more inclined to keep a guy like Dubon and trade a guy like Corey Jolks um, with a smaller sample size. Really only plays one position. He's not a defensive liability, but he's not versatile yet. Um, But he's pretty decent for someone like that, uh, especially with universal DH. They'll always make room for a good hitter. Yeah. so yeah, it's. I think there's value there to be traded. They just have to figure out how to do it without giving up core pieces. Um, Dusty and Dan Brown get to determine whether or not Dubon's a core piece because he's had a great start. Make a good point. Yeah. Is there anybody you think that we should be looking at? Maybe as Houston fans, that you know, maybe they're not crazy ERA, but. Overall, they, they their stuff looks pretty good. That with our with our pitching staff, we could maybe turn things around for them. Sure, um, no one glaring. I think the approach has to be the approach. Typically, when you head for the trade deadline, is who's not in contention, who's a rental, and who's not in contention. Yeah, we're in May. We're in the beginning of May at that. So really, nobody's sitting here going. We're not in contention. The Pittsburgh Pirates, no one's picking. They're winning the Central and the Cardinals are losing it. I throw myself under the bus. I didn't have that. I had the Cardinals winning the whole thing. So I don't know. It's a tricky situation to sit there and go pull assets from whoever's not. It's upside down right now. We have no idea. Um, that and then there's still guys that have yet to make season debuts. We talked about Carlos Rodon and uh, Tyler Glass now. Um, Rodon got his pushback even more. So we're not the only dog in the hunt as far as we need starter death too. Um, so yeah, I think they need to explore going to make moves for depth arms. Don't mortgage the future on it either. So it's, I'm glad I'm not Dan Brown at this point. I, (laughs) there's guys out there like it, but there's, there's really not a win situation for him right now. And the guy I look at that I think would be interesting, and he's been in the news recently, um, is Lucas Giolito with the White Sox. That's the one that pops into my mind first when you're talking about a starter you can go and get. But I really hope that Lance McCullers is able to make an impact in 2023. I think I think a lot of the Astros season is going to end up riding on that because of all these injuries that have popped up. He's got to come back, and he's got to be – Maybe not an ace level, but he's got to give you top-end production as a starter uh, for for the season to really honestly go anywhere at, at this point. I know that seems like a little bleak, but with these injuries piling up for the Astros, um, it's it can get ugly real quick if you don't start stringing some wins together. And to do that, you're going to have to have a healthy rotation. Yeah. Agreed wholeheartedly. And we, we've seen even McCullers, uh, going back injury history, going back to the – dreaded 2017 Astros, but he came in, uh, they piggybacked him and Charlie Morton. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Morton was probably the one that came out of the pen for that, but they never counted on getting full five innings from McCullers down the line. 
Yeah. So, like I said, I love the guy. He's got absolutely filthy stuff, but the best thing you can do for the team is be on the field. So, yeah. for the options, I think it's there's there's plenty of value in that. And I kind of go back to the point with the Rays of give me the 13 best guys on the roster and I'll play them how I see fit, whether build the puzzle for how we bridge nine innings. Um, that's Dusty's job. Um, we'll, we'll see what he thinks about it or if it happens. I think that that's definitely a good, good thing that they could potentially look at doing because it's working for them so far. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Right. I almost think there's so many innings so, that you have available right now yeah. that you almost kind of have to make a, a play for one of these guys. Like I, 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 I think that's a good idea in theory, but there's so many innings that are available in the Astros rotation right now. You got to have some kind of full-time starter added to this. Yeah. Right. And that was the thing. No, just, this would be cool if a mound visit, we could talk to somebody that was a starter, but Nobody goes into, I won't say nobody, very few guys go up levels of baseball intending just to be a reliever. They're all starters and then end up getting converted into relievers because they can't hack it, injury things like we have, longevity is initiated into a reliever. So what's this? So like, go ahead. What I was going to try to say is like, I remember during the postseason, they were talking about a Brave wanting to become a starter, right? So what is stopping? Is it that he's just that, I mean, he's just that dog, right? Like he's just that killer, you know, in that seventh, eighth inning that we just don't want to risk it? Or what's going on? Like, why haven't we decided to let Brady stretch out and, and see if he could go or not? I think because he's he fits like a glove where he's at. He's in high leverage situations in the pin. Nothing will kill a team's morale quicker than a lead in the eighth or ninth inning as well. You have to have guys that can be able to come in and shut it down. Presley's historically very good at that. Abreu's good at that. Phil Matone's had a great year doing that. There's guys there that can do it. I just think there's probably untouchable scenarios or untouchable situations for Dusty and the team to where, I mean, Presley's the ninth or shutdown situations, those are his. These guys all fall into that category, and no one's touching them. So I don't know if y'all remember, Christian Javier was in the pen last year, too. And he's come up, and he's raked. He's had a great year thus far. It's interesting. It goes back to what I said. No guy comes all the way through all pro ball and intends to be a reliever. Um, they were interviewing Brandon Belak, I think, and he had kind of voiced his – opinion during spring training where he thought he he was rotation capable and we're at a point he's probably going to get a shot he's already gotten a couple of them i think he got a couple last year but we're in we need to eat innings we need quality you don't have to overpower anybody just get me out get me out and give up as few runs as possible yeah and those fromber and javier starts are even more important now going forward like those got to be dubs exactly can't waste them. Goes back to what I said. You can't give up leads in the eighth and ninth inning. So, I, I think also this wouldn't be as bad if we just had run support. Man, I, I just feel like our run support yeah. is just not where it's at. Like you know, I mean, at least I felt like last year, like you knew the run support was coming. I feel like we have no idea if run support's coming or not. It's. A, I can't argue with you. I'm optimistic about. 
that changing. Chaz comes back. Brantley comes back this week. Altuve, not in too distant future. Uh, the guys are coming back that I think would be catalysts to put more runs on the board. But, I mean, we got to be in rhythm. Like you said, got to be in rhythm. Got to put up runs. And it's it's all got to click to compensate for for the pitching. So Thankfully, it's early. So... We'll see. It is still very much too early so. to yeah. fully panic. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I kind of maybe got a little too like scared there. Maybe I uh, embellished yeah. the things a little bit, but I, I do still believe like with the amount of injuries that the Astros rotation just endured in such a quick span, things could go off the rails quick. It has that potential, yeah. but I think I think this is an experienced enough team that it, it's too early to completely hit the panic button. But you can't feel good right now. It's not a good feeling right now as an Astros fan. The other angle you have to keep up with is the AL West is no longer the worst division in baseball. It's and a very the good past division. few years. It's been it's been the Astros, and then I don't want to call them all trash, but fifty feet of crap. And then come the Mariners and the Rangers and the Angels, and it's just it's not there. They're all rising. Just baseball cyclical, and they're they're opening their windows of contention. So. Yep. Oh, the weekend. The Mariners are a good team. It's going to take everybody on their A game to beat them going forward. Oh, yeah. All right. So, with you got anything else for for baseball? Nope. That's it. Long season. Um, We'll talk about it again. All right. So, what what did we have next? We had the the Curry versus the LeBron all time that y'all wanted to talk about. I I won't have much to say because I am very, very non knowledgeable when it comes to basketball. So I'll let y'all handle that and figure out how y'all want to go about that. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say is it's hard, right? It's hard to say that in Mount Rushmore, right? Obviously, this started with Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Uh, came out and said that if if Curry won it, you know, he would want and wins the chip and all that, he would remove LeBron or tempted to remove LeBron, LeBron and and put Curry up there and. I guess if you're talking about Mountain Rushmore's, right, you're thinking about these transcendent players that changed culture, changed the game, right, and made it better and made it different. Uh, without a doubt, LeBron has done that, you know, for that era after Kobe and things like that. Carried the game, became the ambassador of the game, but Curry has changed the game radically different. Uh, he has made the three-point, uh, you know, line a very important part of the game. Uh, you, I mean, you just go to any kind of high school game, you go to any pick a basketball game, like the three is now the thing that everyone wants to do, everyone wants to shoot. Uh, the days of LeBron, again, and part of that is also LeBron's just gotten older. He just doesn't power all the way through the rim like he used to back in, back in his heyday. So I don't know, like, I think if, Curry does win the chip. Um, does he become, does he replace LeBron? I don't think he does, but I do think you could then now bring consideration. Guys, like, again, depends on who you have your Mount Rushmore. Do, do you then bring consideration Magic, right? Do you, do you, what do you do with Magic up there? I mean, Magic was special. Magic was awesome. Um, you know, he was that good tie-in, you know, before the Jordan era. But at the same time, you know, was so close to the Jordan era, do you replace a guy like Magic if you have Magic on your Mountain Rushmore? Again, if you have Bird, you know, uh, does he replace Bird, Kareem? 
You know, Kareem was such a special player, had that points forever. Like, you can't ignore LeBron because he, he topped that record. So I don't know if you replace LeBron, but I think he begins to look at the other guys other than Jordan and say, okay, these other two guys, do we consider them on, on the Rushmore or not? Um, my Mount Rushmore is pretty easy, and I still feel very confident in it. And honestly, a championship this season is not going to change much for me at all. To me, and in fact, I'll even go so far to say I, I'm, I don't really pick in the GOAT conversation anymore. But to me, there's only three answers that you can make a, a really good case for. And in no, in no particular order, it's LeBron James, it's Michael Jordan, and it's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So I'm putting those three on my Mount Rushmore to start. And then who I consider the greatest point guard of all time, not Steph Curry, Magic Johnson. That is my Mount Rushmore of the NBA. And again, like for right now, I don't see that changing. Yes, Steph is great. He's completely transcended the game. But all four of those guys changed the game as well. Um, and honestly, Sly, you just said something that really bothered me. And that's that yeah, you said okay. LeBron is getting up there in age. Have you watched these playoffs, man? Yeah, Have no, you watched no. Them? Like, I, I've watched him. I think he has done a good job to conserve his energy throughout the season to be able to come in and do what he's doing. Don't get me wrong. He, again, we're, we're the, he's a year older than me. And if I could do like <laughs> at least a tenth of what he could do, man, I would, I would be happy to stack. Of course. Right. Of course. Uh, he, he is doing some things that, but I, I would say like, I don't know, man. Like I remember LeBron, you know, at least four, even four years ago, just all season long, man, that man was just taking it, just jamming it down people's throats and just did not care. But he's also older. Like he's not doing that like as frequent as he used to. Man, I've only seen LeBron James get better as he's gotten older. I will say he's added the jump shot. I think he he's probably one of the, he has evolved better than I think any other player at at this at this stage of his career. No yeah. other player has evolved like he has. Of course. And it wasn't that long ago that he had a game-winning layup over Dylan Brooks, who, see what you will about that bum, but he is yeah. a good defender. And he took him straight to the paint and laid it up for the win against the, the Grizzlies. I don't, I don't see a guy that's fallen off. I see a guy that is still at the height of his game, and he's – you know, that, that Stephen A. brought that conversation up. Like, what happens if, if Steph gets a ring? Does he supplant LeBron? Well, let's talk about this. Le LeBron is up in that series. What happens if LeBron gets number five and another finals yeah. MVP, perhaps? What are we talking about then? Is he the, un is he the undisputed GOAT at that point? Do, does, do the Jordan comparisons, do the Jordan debates stop? I don't think they'll ever stop, frankly. But, you know, I, we yeah. can talk about that kind of stuff. Let's, let's, let's revisit that conversation, Stephen A., when we get to the end of the postseason, why are we talking yeah. about that right now? Yeah, yeah. It's the headlines, man. It's the headlines to get and to get it's, the bites and everything. It's like a that. slow news day, Stephen A. Like I, I guess that's what we're talking <laughs> about, man. Like and, I know disrespect say, to Stephen A. I love Stephen A. He's he's one of the funniest guys in sports, but you don't watch the, him for his hard hitting analysis. You watch him just no. scream at the other person on the other side of the desk. He's screaming Michael Irving. Uh, those were the best. Flip the script then. If Steph gets a fifth ring, does he jump LeBron on your Rushmore at all? No. What about another MVP? Uh, final. You mean a Finals MVP not this or a regular season MVP? Just regular season MVP. That would that would look be at tough. it this way too. So we could tie this into basketball news a little bit. Bronny declared for USC this past weekend. Yeah? Yes, he did. 
in theory, logic would state is at USC for probably one year mm-hmm. and then comes out. So mm-hmm. Braun had come out and said, wants to play with Bronny for one year. You could mean you get LeBron for two more years and he's done. He's throwing it in. I think you get Steph for longer. I agree. I definitely agree. I think he's, and that's a good point. He's got more time to build on his legacy even further. And as good as Steph is shooting, well, that's tricky. He's got such a good shot that I feel like his game could age well, but part of his game is literally running around the court for 20 seconds, catching the ball and then shooting it. Like that is a huge part of his game. It's, 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 it's indefensible. But and a lot I, of that comes with that insane conditioning that he has. Go ahead. Yeah, Le- LeBron has done a amazing job taking care of his body. Like r- rumors have it that he goes vegan during the regular season, right? So he could have a better uh, repair time on his body. He does a lot more. And because of that, you have seen a guy not be again this past two years have probably been the kind of the biggest years we've seen kind of lebron out for for a certain amount of time for whatever injury steph curry on the other hand has been way more injured than lebron and i think yes lebron may have two years may have three years depending on how long he wants to play with his son um i will say curry there's no guarantee that you may even get you know, three years from him. And I know that sounds crazy. I know that's a soundbite and everything like that. But the reality is Curry gets hurt a lot. There's last year he was out for an extended period of time. This season he was out for an extended period of time. I think the year before that he was out again. And then the year before that he had his big major injury. Like he, he gets injured a lot. Don't get me wrong. He bounces back well and does pretty pretty good. But he's, um, I will say he does, at least the public does not hear on how Steph take care, takes care of his body like, like LeBron has. Like, it, it's just common knowledge. LeBron does, spends, I forget how many millions on his body every single year just to make sure he can continue going. Uh, again, I'm, I'm a Laker hater. I have a buddy who's a hardcore Laker fan, and I'm a Laker hater because, uh, because of that. But at the same time, man, like, you just got to respect LeBron for who he is and what he's doing. And while I do hope Curry continues to win, man. I think Curry's good for the game. I think he's a good role model, uh, man, a good ambassador of the sport. At the same time, man, like, he as a whole, <laughs> I just don't know if he can last that long. Steph Curry's a fake nice guy. Man. So, question, I guess, how much credence do you guys give the supporting cast between ranking the two of them? If you think about those Warriors teams where Clay Thompson was actually worth his salt, Draymond, Kevin Durant. Yeah, Kevin Durant. There you go. As much as it pains me to say it, I'm right like Sly. I cannot stand major market teams such as the Lakers. Outside of Anthony Davis, who's really contributed there as far as a name? Hasn't he kind of done it all on his own? The only contradiction to that argument would be the heat days, I guess. Yeah, I think I think LeBron has done at least with this Lakers has done. I mean, don't get me wrong, the AD again. It I would say if we if we were so bold to say that the Dodgers was a Mickey Mouse cha- Mickey Mouse championship, I think we have to say the same thing about the bubble, right? The players did not care. Uh, you had guys, you know, you know, skipping out of Disneyland to go to Atlanta to eat hot wings at, at strip clubs, right? Like, so so we got it again. If we make that same argument for the Dodgers. Right. We got to make the same argument for the Lakers. Right. We got to be consistent. We got to be fair. Right. Um, But I would say LeBron has done a whole lot more with less. 
has always done a whole lot more with less. Yes, you're right. The Heat year was a great year, but he's done a whole lot more with less. But Curry has been an excellent leader with his team. While he's had a stacked team, everybody knows it's been his team, even the years with KD. That's kind of the main argument is that KD with the Nets was not the leader, right? It was always it was always Curry. And so to see him as kind of the leader of the locker room, the leader of the team, he failed. Where Curry kind of kept everybody together. Then again, you also have the argument that you got Draymond out there punching key players in, in practices before the season started. So, you know, uh, that kind of shoots that argument out. But yeah. good chance that Draymond is in a different uniform at the start of next season. Good chance. Yeah. Not saying it's going to happen, but it's it's definitely on the table. And I wouldn't rule it out because him and Jordan Poole, I don't think that relationship's redeemable. <laughs> and I think nope. they just signed Jordan Poole to like $30 million a year. They, they, they're going to keep him. So... We'll see how that unfolds. That would be an interesting uh, – it's an interesting player for a lot of teams to look into. And it's also interesting to think what impact that would have on Steph Curry. Um, would that, you know, lower some of his numbers that he gets on good assists from Draymond who knows him well? Or would that strengthen his case because now his, his team around him is not going to be as good with Draymond in a different uniform? I don't know. You could go either way on that. It would be interesting to see, though. I have a question. Sorry, guys. Just got here. Um, what do y'all think about, you know, beings that, you know, Steph didn't necessarily do three in a row, three in a row like Jordan. And I don't. It's sorry if y'all haven't gotten to this this part, but in the comparison to between him and LeBron, d- does that matter at all? Like when you can when it comes to stack up against like Jordan, who I would say is probably when it comes to full circle qualification of goat that's who at least i'm comparing him to i don't think it matters personally i think yeah. you have to look back at the, the totality of your career i don't care when you want them if, if you're if you care so much about jordan having won three in a row well then you also have to care about him failing nine years in a row the first nine years of his career like you, that has to matter for you too so to me i think you have to look at the whole package um, and really, there's it is a nuanced conversation. Definitely, there's definitely some. Not all rings are created equal, and um, a lot of those failures, like LeBron, I think of like every guy that's considered to be like in the goat conversation. LeBron has had the lowest of the lows. Um, that that my, the first year of the Miami Heatles uh, against the Mavericks was one of the most inexcusable finals performances I think in NBA history. Just. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting cooked. You're you're LeBron James in your absolute athletic prime, and you're getting clamped by JJ Barea and Jason Terry. What what is going on here? So, I, but that being said, like I said earlier, Tyler, the only thing you really missed was I I I made a definitive. I think there's only three players that you can make a goat conversation for, and that's LeBron, Jordan, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I don't think anyone else can be even closely considered goat. You can keep your Wilt Chamberlain's and Bill Russells. They played against farmers and uh, grocery store workers it doesn't really matter um and also if they were literally seven inches shorter they would have also been you know bailing hay out on the farm or or you know serving i don't know cookies or something they would not have been in the nba yeah dude so so you're not even saying kobe kobe's up there um but for me, I, I, I don't even think Kobe's the greatest Laker of all time. I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Magic Johnson are both better Lakers than him all time. Is that you know? era? Is that skill? Because I'll be honest with you, no disrespect to Kobe, but to me, it's difficult whenever I feel like 
know, we talk about the NFL being a copycat league. There's there's a lot of like copycat stuff that goes on in in the NBA as guys model their game after each other. And the fact that Kobe modeled his game so much to a T after Jordan, it's almost like it's it's like Kobe was the regurgitation of something we already saw. That in at times. And I know that may like be a big hot topic, but it's hard to put the same level on that whenever it's like first of all you go you can go make the era argument i just feel like there's a lot more against that versus jordan itself and maybe that's just a biasy but that's just my opinion on it i feel like well i i would what i would say regarding that is that i think you know going back and kobe and the goat and kind of talking about all this the dish the dish issue with kobe and why he's not in my mount rush more and everything kind of that you just mentioned kobe had a whole lot slower start than lebron and jordan like these guys were superstars day one. Right. Kobe played the bench and he kind of moved up and then it wasn't even his team for a while. Right. Like, and him being the kind of the Laker and being a great Laker, it wasn't his team. It was Shaq's team and Shaq dominated. You can make an argument by the third championship. And that's where kind of people start making that argument around the third championship started becoming his team. He started fighting for it and things like that. But Kobe had a slower start, I think, out of all these kind of Mount Rushmore guys that we're mentioning. Uh, his start, start was the slowest. Uh, and he did kind of, he was great and he was dominant for as long as he was. But his start was a whole lot slower. And when you look at, you know, you make the argument maybe that he will, he was out of high school. LeBron was as well. Of course, LeBron right. was also freak of nature uh, where Kobe necessarily wasn't. And we also hadn't seen, you know, kind of going back to my point about kind of seeing that style already we hadn't seen lebron i mean so i mean the closest thing to lebron yeah. that we had seen was was magic yeah i i had a buddy who uh played uh he played aau basketball uh same again he's he's my age so he played against lebron and he would mention uh you know his biggest regret was that his i mean he was a tall guy uh but they played him center because he was always the tallest guy around these areas he said he remembered, though, seeing LeBron, and he said that when he saw LeBron his first year, his freshman year in high school, LeBron was doing some crazy stuff, but LeBron was tiny. He was puny. They played him as point. He said he was doing some stuff that you'd never seen, like people were running, and he was tossing the ball and was going between people's legs as they were running and things like that. He was doing things that were completely unseen, but again, they played him at point. He had he early on because he was smaller, I guess, had that point guard mentality, that point guard uh, mindset kind of drilled into him. And it wasn't until he remembered my buddy said his sophomore year, LeBron starts making these headlines, starts making, you know, uh, start being talked about on these sports shows, Sports Illustrated, things like that. Everybody was going around looking for them. And he said he would go out there just trying to look for that small, skinny little guy. And he said by his freshman to sophomore year, he had made that jump and he became a monster already. But he still had that point guard game to him he still had that point point guard mentality to him so lebron in many ways man is that marriage of just like small like point guard mentality but with a monstrous body right so i'm i'm the only one that gave him out rushmore anyone else got one they want to put out there i mine's very similar to yours if not identical uh i you know cream is cream jordan uh lebron and magic Yep, that's exactly mine. So I, I would say mine's probably Jordan, uh, Hakeem. It, it, it's hard for me, like, not to put like more big men on there, but I, I think it's hard not to put Shaq 
uh, it, it just how dominant Shaq was. And then I would have Kareem and then I would probably, man, I would probably have Steph on there, man. I, I would, I, for me, it's especially if, if, Le, if he wins another ring, I j- we have never seen the pure shooting ability the way that Steph has done it. We have seen scores. We have seen, and again, I know LeBron is is a, a freak in himself, but it's like Steph is is doing things and has done things that it's very hard to do, and Steph has done it in the same place. Like, he never left. Yeah. Excuse me. And so uh, it, that, that holds a little bit of merit to me, and, and maybe maybe that's, and that's probably just a very personal thing on my end, but the fact that you're, you never left and you well, stayed there. Shaquille O'Neal is on your Mount Rushmore, though. He went, he went to the Heat. Okay, he went one spot. He went a lot of places after that, though. But in when he was actually good, LeBron he, is still good. LeBron is still good. He's still that's, good. That's my right, thing. Right. Does that I, not carry any weight? It, it does. But he went. He went to Cleveland. He went to the Heat. He went back to Cleveland, and then now he's with the Lakers. And we, yeah. I mean, Shaq was drafted by Orlando. Went to the Lakers, won his championships on a run, then went down to the Heat, got another championship, and then after that, Shaq was kind of done. We didn't, I mean, it was just kind of it. But what I'm getting at is the way Shaq changed the game. He has a freaking rule about him, or the Hackershack rule. I mean, they had to like quite literally change the game of basketball and how it's played for Shaq. And to me, that's why he he beats out LeBron because again. It's not taken away from how great LeBron is. LeBron is great, but it, it's he's just not on uh, your Mount Rushmore, though. But that's, but he's not that's on my, wild but, to me. But he's not on my Mount Rushmore. So, tr- so true or false, Tyler? LeBron James has won a championship for every team that he's played for. Is that true or false? No, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. True or false? Every place he's been, he's had a superstar with him. How true? You could say that's true or false for the same question for Steph, for Shaq, for even Akeem the Dream, who I love that you're including the Rocket Goat on there, but mm-hmm. I don't. Even, I think he's he he's just outside Mount Rushmore for me. He's definitely top ten. I mean, he's the best defensive center of all time, no doubt about that. But I think you know the fact that he. Uh, I hate. No, I'm not going to. I'm not about to make an argument against Akeem Olajuwon. I'm just going to continue to build to up. See if you're going to do no that. way, no way. I can't do that. I, he's on my shirt right now. I can't do that. I mean, and, and um, again, in being with no bias included, you could easily change out Hakeem for LeBron. I'm not. I don't like. I don't want anyone to get me like crooked thinking that like I'm saying LeBron is not right there. It's like Hakeem and, and LeBron, and it, to me, because the way that Hakeem moved around, the way he played defense, that just again. In an era where David Robinson was was dominating, Hakeem went toe to toe with him and also and just made him look small. I I, I would say okay. that that's one of the biggest arguments, right? When people do go to the Jordan and LeBron goat conversation, that's the big argument, right? Is that the era of basketball, in many ways, was tough. Like you watch, like the Bad Boy Pistons, man. These guys didn't care. I mean, they they were, they were brawling, fighting. They were they were punching, and again, that was just common back in the day. Like you'd you would get in a fight and keep on going, kind of like hockey rules, almost, if you will. Right? The game has changed. Like as much as we try to say it's not, it is a whole lot softer. They have mm-hmm. made a lot of things to to make the game doing that. Sure. But at the same time, at the same time, it's hard for me to say. And again, I'm, I'm an H-Town guy. It's hard for me to say, yo, but 
but Akeem is better than than LeBron. Like even if the league was tough and hard, LeBron has done some things for the sport, has broken records, has won the championships, has done some great things. Uh, that man, Hakeem just you know, for many years, just couldn't get over the hump. Again, as a Rockets fan, like seeing, he just couldn't get over the hump when he had Samson, when he when he had all that, uh, and just couldn't do it. Don't get me wrong, his 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 shot to the championship was a tough one. You know, facing Barkley, facing Robinson, facing um, Malone, uh, facing Patrick Ewing. Like his 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 way to his ring was a very very tough one. The one that he won by himself without Drexler. But at the same right. time, it's hard to say that LeBron um is is Akeem is better than LeBron. I I, I struggle to say that. Yeah, so, I, 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 I can't find a metric for me. That, that, to me, that's not the argument isn't is he better? It's asking Mount Rushmore. And I think that if you're putting a Mount Rushmore, there are more things that come into play for that for me. Because it, let me let me just put it for this way. And again. This is me being completely subjective to the fact of putting LeBron on there because it's because it's too easy for me. You, you look at you look at Frank Gore. Is Frank Gore an all-time great NFL running back? Is you gonna put him like in like your top five, even top ten greatest running backs of all time? Okay, you know he shares a top five spot for rushing yards because of longevity. Like there are some things to be said with longevity. Like does longevity make you great? Again, not taking away that LeBron is great because he is great. And LeBron has every right to to be on the Mount Rushmore and on somebody else's, but on mine, I, there's just a little bit more. That the era of what had to be fought through is just so drastically different, and it doesn't take away from his records. It doesn't take away from any of that. But again, going back to that, there are guys that have records, and there are guys that put up points, and there are guys that have stats and all that. And again, LeBron's got chips. I get it. I know that that's different. It, it's just. When the NBA to me is so difficult to like, other than a handful of people, and I'll just say, other than Jordan, it's almost you could just make an argument for every for for a lot of guys, and you and you could feel like you're leaving somebody off, in my opinion. There's been a lot of talented basketball players that have played, but um, I I just want to say one thing. I think era talk is completely overrated. Completely overrated. I think it does not matter. You put LeBron James in that era, you make him grow up playing basketball in that era. You think a six foot eight, 260 pound man getting physical with the bad boys isn't going to be terrifying? And on the flip side, as, as much of a work ethic that Michael Jordan had, if he was playing in today's era of the flopping and embellishing foul calls, he'd be breaking records for free throws that he would attempt in a game. They would change their games to adjust to the era. I think. I think era talk is is crazy overrated unless you want to talk about the level of, of athleticism that these guys were playing at. Because like I said earlier, Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, they really only had each other to play against. The rest of the guys in the league at the time were not that athletic. They just weren't. I feel like LeBron, if you want to, like the only comparison you could have is to me is if you had, if LeBron, Carl Malone, and Sean Kemp had a child. To me, that's, that's, that's LeBron James. Well, hey, we know Carmel, you know, never, let's not go there. Let's not go there. Let's not go there. We lost, we lost you, Craig in the basketball talk. <laughs> if you know, if you know, you know about Carmel If you know, you know, for our viewers out there. We don't need to get into everything about Carmel right. and having children. That's all I'll say. So, what, what do we got next, gentlemen? The, I know we wanted to touch on, we have something special for football coming in a bit. 
But before we get into that, we had the the San Francisco 49ers quarterback situation that we wanted to touch on. Yeah. Oh, Tyler? Yeah. I'll let this Tyler is your start baby. this one. Yeah, Tyler, this is your baby. Okay. I'll let you start this. Everyone knows on the, if you've been following us, the guys know it very well, and I get harassed <laughs> about it. And, and it's funny, too, how tunes change a little bit whenever, like, validity starts coming out on it. Nobody's tune changed. Carry on. I don't believe it. You just wouldn't admit it. Um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, the 49ers have a very interesting uh, season ahead of them. Uh, you've got arguably one of the top three, if not top two, of the best coaches in the league uh, on, on a team that just has not been able to get, I mean, yeah, he hasn't been, even been able to get a Super Bowl under him. I mean, John Harbro's had, or excuse me, Jim Harbro's had more success from uh, going the distance at least than what Shanahan has had since he's been there, which is crazy to even think about. Um, however, it, given how much they gave up for Trey Lance, given that they also had the diamond in the rough with Brock Purdy and <clears throat> and how well he played when Lance uh, went down to injury, then, you know, obviously the hit in the playoffs for Purdy, which I'll be honest with you guys, and, and we, we can talk about this after I finish, but... It, I feel like that if Brock Purdy plays that game um, against the Eagles, I think they win. I really do. Just, just, and I just think that the 49ers were playing so well. And if, and I'll say, if anything, I think that it's hard to argue that that game would have been a lot closer. It would have definitely been closer, but there's no I way in hell that. you beat the Eagles. No, I, I'm, I'm sorry that hey. that team was. I, I, I don't think that Brock Purdy would have made that much of a difference in the game. Because Brock Purdy has nothing to do with the fact that Hassan Reddick and all these guys were getting to him every single time. You know what I mean? That's no, got sure. nothing to do with Brock Purdy, nothing to do with whoever Josh Johnson is. Like, that's got to do with the fact that they didn't scheme well enough to stop the D-line of the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, and that's also, all it boils down to. And also the Philadelphia Eagles dropped 31 on what many yeah. considered to be the best defense in the with entire ease. league. Oh, hey, Clancy. <laughs> With ease. <laughs> what is that? He sounds like an alien. Monty, I think that you might need to unplug your mic and plug it back in from the cable. That's what it sounds like to me. Oh, man. He's on his AirPods. Dude, that's hilarious. You have it's a voice at all. Dude, you sound, you sound oh, like... I can't wait for him mouth. to hear this that's back. <laughs> Oh my god, dude! What is oh, that? But uh, again, it, we'll never know. We'll never know. We yeah. can only speculate, and that's the thing. That's what the beauty of sports. Whenever things happen, and I, I think that there is, a, and y'all have heard me talk about it before. I think there's a lot when it comes to the mental aspect of, of of sports in general, and I think that when you lose a guy who you look at and it's like, oh crap, like we're rallying behind this dude from freaking Iowa State. That's you know, Mister Irrelevant. And he's pulling a Tom Brady, basically, and then he gets hurt, like right there, like you're one game away. I just think that that's a huge mental bring down for everybody. I, and and again, we'll never know how it affected him. We'll never know if that's a reason, but it's fun. It's hey, I'll be on the opposite side of it. I don't care because I believed in that team. Um, but to to go on. The, with all that being said, they've got those guys now like having uh, surgery. I think Trey Lance uh, is now recovering. Barperdi had um, surgery on his elbow, and now we're not even knowing if he's going to even play. 
before we even got that news, they they signed Sam Darnold, who y'all know how I feel about Darnold. I do not think he got a fair shot in, in with the Jets, and I do not think that he got a fair shot under Matt Rule, and I don't think that there's any argument with that. I think that that's, that's fair, right? We, I mean, we, we've talked about this a bunch of times kind of off air, but you're not, I'm not putting my face in, that in Adam Gase. I'm not putting it in Todd Bowles. I'm not putting it in Matt Rule, any of those guys to develop a quarterback. I'm just not. I can that, give that, you that point. I just, I, I just don't see the talent, man. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm I, just biased, but I'll say this. I think that it's that given his situation, it's hard for me because I did. I know that you didn't watch every Jets game, but I watched right. every Jets game. I've seen all. I've seen what the guy can do when he's when he's doing well, and it's crazy to me that he did do as well as he did without somebody. Because I look at the Jets now when they brought in Zach Wilson, and I mean they had John Beck got hired on for for Zach Wilson during his rookie year, which was his quarterback coach. They had you know supposed to be Matt Lafleur, who or excuse me. Uh, Mike LaFleur, Matt LaFleur's little brother, there's a lot of availability to, like, teaching for Zach. And it's it's hard it's hard for me just to think that Darnold is it just, that was it, right? Throwing the towel with him, he wasn't that good when he didn't have any of that. He didn't even have a chance with any of that stuff. So that's my point with there. But the 49ers go out and they sign him. And yeah, you know, the first initial thought was, oh yeah, you know, he's he's going to be a, a camp body. It's it's going to be a veteran because they have no veteran on that team. I immediately said this is sneaky because Craig, me and you on Chasing Rabbits talk about how much we love us and Shanahan. And Shanahan, we've t- discussed too. We kind of we feel like that he's looking for his Andy Reid moment, if you will, with Patrick Mahomes or a Brian Dable with the Josh Allen because he doesn't have that. Um, you, you could go as far as to say as Brock Purdy, but I don't think any of us in here sold on Purdy, right? I mean, it, it's a, it was a couple games. So you have an opportunity here bringing Southern Cowboy home. You're also, on a, for those of you who don't know, Jordan Palmer is his quarterback coach. He was very good friends with Shanahan. And you got an opportunity now for, for him to kind of, I think, go, okay, you all gave up on him. I see talent. Because Darnold was definitely more of the more expensive side of backups. In my opinion, like of all the guys you could have taken, you're probably going to pay more for Darnold because of how young he is. And because he hasn't just completely just crapped the bed to the point where no one wanted him. I mean, Lord, the freaking Panthers traded a second round pick for him. So in saying that to come back around, it has now been come out with rumors after I had said, watch, he's going to come out and going to be the starting quarterback at the end of camp, that that is a very real possibility. So yeah. what is ever, what is y'all's, y'all's take now that there's validity to just this thought, idea, prediction that, you know, is now kind of gaining a little more traction that it's not just a, a pipe dream for me to be right. I mean, I think I, if there's injuries, there's injuries, right? Like, if there's injuries, then it's it's. I mean, like we can debate this all day, but if there's injuries to these other guys and these guys can't play, then we're just we're just you know we're just talking up smoke, which is totally fine. Like, I think that's the kind of the point of these things, right? But at the same time, I'm kind of with you. Y'all guys are gonna laugh at me as well, but I mean, you you're not a scrub playing for USC. Like you're not like, and I know we're 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 making them out to be a scrub. Number one pick, presumably. 
right? You're not a scrub. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. We've we we've had scrubs come out. He out was supposed of- to be. Hold on, hold on, real quick. He was supposed to be, dude. And he, but- he wasn't. So it I understand. I understand that. But at one point in time, this guy was like literally like the tank it for for uh, Mahomes. I'm not Mahomes for for Burrow and all that and Lawrence. That was going on. Yeah. For him, the year before he got drafted, they everything. Same thing for Will Levis, and we hate Will I, Levis. I, I don't think it was to the degree of Darnold because no. it was. Remember. No, it was. No. People were I, people no. were ready to I, I tank remember. for Will Levis, man. Absolutely. No, I remember. They, people... I never saw one guy have a Will Levis jersey on that was oh, made prior. Dude, never. There were oh. multiple jerseys that Jets players, that that Browns players, all had that said Darnold fourteen. And I can pull up a slew of tweets of teams praying that their team gets Will Levis the following draft because their team doesn't have a first round pick for whatever reason or something like that. Like there's there's a lot of people that were high on Will Levis after his junior year. That's probably why he was so highly drafted despite a terrible senior year. All right, Spence. Look, I just I can't. I was not a Sam Darnold fan coming out of USC. I I didn't like that pick at all. I thought Baker Mayfield was the correct pick. And I even had Lamar Jackson over him as well. That aged well. Um, I did have him above Josh Allen, I'll admit. So I don't want to completely toot my own horn, but we gotta let Sly finish his um his take. Yeah. Sorry, Sly. Oh, sorry, sorry man. You know, what, I, what I was trying to say is like you've seen Shanahan work with worse, right? Brock Purdy, mystery relevant. You have a guy who came from a better football program. I, I don't know. I, I'm big on colleges, right? Like if you come from a good school, right? You're playing the top competition. You're 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 at least projected to be better. Like I, I would say, again, because of his experience at USC, yeah, you know, let, let's kind of put a pause on the Jets stuff real quick, right? He 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 would, in my opinion, would be better than Trey. Like you're you're not going, don't get me wrong, there's been moments and there's been players that have proven those theories wrong, people that have come from smaller schools that have done better than guys from bigger schools. And I understand that. But by and large, like, like out of 100 times, right, we would probably say, hey, the guy from the big program is the guy that we're going to trust in over the, the guy that from the not, you know, smaller program out of 100 times. So we'd probably trust that 90% of the times, right? Like, we would trust that 90% of the times. Are there guys that play at high schools that kind of get missed, that kind of get slept on, uh, and then, you know, play at these smaller schools and then ball out at bigger pro uh, when they make to the pros? Yes, it happens all the time. But by and large, big programs tend to produce bigger players. Now, the Jets think, I will agree with Tyler. Like, he makes a very compelling case. When you have bad coaching, man, you can't – I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how talented you are. If you have bad coaching, you're not going to succeed. You're not going to make it. We've seen some good players, good, good guys go from a great coach – they get their bag and go to a crappy team and just not shine anymore, not do great anymore. And so I, I'm, I do believe coaching is very important, especially in the NFL, having the right coach, having the right people around you, having the right team to support you and develop you, I think is so vitally important because that jump from college to pro, I think unlike any other, I mean, I guess, I don't know, it's one of the biggest jumps, especially at the quarterback position. And so, in my opinion, I am with Tyler on this one. We'll probably be outnumbered, but I do believe coaching is extremely, extremely, extremely important. And the Jets, when Darnold was there, was a complete mess. Like, it was the laughing stock. Yeah. That was Lavey on Bell's year. It was horrible. 
And then I would even say the Panthers, even I, I still think the Panthers are still a joke, man. Hiring Frank Reich as their coach. Like I still yeah. say the Panthers are a huge joke, right? They don't get anything right. And so even with rule there, right? Like, come on. Like, I don't know, man. I, I, I I'm with Tyler on this one. I would, I would say my vote. I think Shanahan will do better with him than with any other QB that he has. Right. I, I think, I, I think for me personally, like I, I agree with the coaching aspect. I don't think Darnold got a fair shake. I still don't see it with Darnold though. Um, and I know that's, Hard to say because I'm sitting here saying that he didn't get a fair shake, but I still think he's not going to work out. I just think there's not enough case being made for the fact that they traded major amount of draft capital to move up to get Trey Lance. It is so hard to just throw that in the bag and move on. I think, yes, they're trying to win, but I think with this roster, they can win with anybody at quarterback. We saw it with Jimmy G. We saw it with Brock Purdy. Um, We've, we've seen it time and time again. And I think Shanahan wants to do something with Trey Lance that he hasn't done with a quarterback before. He wants a mobile quarterback. He wants a guy that can run and move around. Granted, that's how he got injured, but I don't think he's going to shy away from that. And that's why I think at the end of the day, it's going to be Trey Lance. So I want to reset him. Sorry. Sorry, Spence. Go ahead. Well, I just want to recenter the discussion for a sec because I'm, I'm no longer sure what we're talking about here. Are we predicting? <laughs> are we predicting that Sam Darnold would be improved under Kyle Shanahan than his previous coaches? No one's arguing. That. No one's arguing. I am yeah. arguing. What I am arguing is one. I don't think Sam Darnold's very good, and I don't care about his previous coaching. I, I'm with Craig on that. I just I don't see the talent. But two, are we are we debating who should be the the starter for the 49ers? Who will be the starter for the 49ers? What are we debating here? Essentially I mean, that, yeah. Yeah. We're just who's, who's talking about the quarterback situation as a whole. Right. So because you also have the rumors coming out that they're trying to trade Lance. And it's come out so often that it's hard for me to look at it and just go that that's smoke, right? I mean, I think that's fair. But the only rumor I saw for Trey Lance, and maybe I'll saw different ones, the only ones I saw was in a swap for Kirk Cousins. And that's not in it, that's not a ringing endorsement for Sam Darnold being my franchise quarterback, right? So yeah. I'll answer both questions. There is a zero percent chance that Sam Darnold starts over a healthy Trey Lance. There's zero, zero chance because of all the reasons Craig said. There's a zero percent chance to do that. But if he's not, if he's not healthy, yeah, I think Sam Darnold could start for the 49ers. And yeah, after last season, Mr. Irrelevant having a very statistically good season, I could see Sam Darnold having some success. But even then, I'm promise you, like I, I'm. I'm just being honest. I will tell you right now, if that were to happen, I'm not giving Sam Darnold any credit. I'm giving all the credit to Kyle Shanahan. Right. And, and again, I don't think there's any argument with that. What I think, I think that we, it, we I've said, I said this on, on, on the draft and, and a couple different times on per, potential does not equal production. It doesn't. So I think, again, this is me. I see a ton of raw potential in Sam Darnold, but, I don't see the ability to turn that into production like some of these stars do, right? Like, I believe that there's a lot more to do with the mindset coupled with coaching when it comes to a Josh Allen, when it comes to a Pat Mahomes, when it comes to a Lamar Jackson, okay? But, but I just think that some guys, like, they need that extra push. They need a Shanahan to get them there. And if they can't, then no, then, then they're not going to make it. Okay. What, what I'm saying is this is his opportunity to prove whether it is him 
or whether it is the coaching. That's my argument. So would you say if he does not beat Trey Lance out in training camp that he's cooked? He's cooked. He's done. There's okay. no hope. I think I can... he's terrible. All right. Again, because, and, and again, the only reason I'm saying that is because you, you just – you got to look at like some of the running ability that Darnold has has shown in his career. Some yeah, of the ability, I fair. mean, Joe Brady was not there with Carolina. So you truly had Matt Rule like drowning and reaching for straws to the point, dude, PJ Washington of the XFL. I mean, you got to like, give it PJ Walker. 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 Come PJ Washington and, plays in the NBA. Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> but. And Darnold, like, coming in there and having to immediately learn a new playbook and actually saw a few good games out of him. Like, it wasn't like Darnold was a complete flop in, in Carolina. He did produce some decent games. Now, was it all good? No. But that was a horrible situation on top of the, well, the situation he just came from. Because he's, you got – go ahead. Well, I was going to say, he started hot, but he absolutely fell off a cliff right. in the same season. Right. No, you're, you're right. And, and I think because as a season prolongs and a coach sees more and more that his job's on the line, you got to admit, like, he's trying to grasp at anything to get that team back in. Because, it, and again, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Like, we never, we never know. I just, I hate so much, like, when I, when I sound like a broken record on all this stuff, but, like, the waste of what somebody could have done with him. Like if Joe Brady was still there with Carolina, if Matt rule was actually halfway decent, right? Like maybe we're talking, having a different conversation because they traded a number two and we know that's valuable in the NFL. So why would you trade the number two? If you did not have full expectation of making him a starting quarterback to last, it's because he saw the writing on the wall and said, my job's more important than trying to develop a quarterback. That's my question. The question that I guess still affects it all is what's the health status of Lance and Brock Purdy? I wouldn't see why Lance isn't back by the beginning of the year. He yeah. broke his what ankle early, early in the season. So week one or week yeah, two. I, I wouldn't see why he's not back. And then the Purdy thing is a question mark because we've heard he would be back by training camp, but then it came out and they said that. It looks like he's not going to play at all this season. So it, that's, that's kind of I a think question mark. Yeah. I feel like if he plays a, a game this year, that'd be surprising. And, and even then, if he is there, I don't think – I think they have too much capital to take Bert, Purdy over Lance. Yeah. I mean, so I, even I guess, then, look at it this way. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Was, go let ahead. me finish real quick. Look at it this way. Sam Donald's nothing but an insurance policy. Right. Kyle Shanahan, if both those guys are hurt and you ain't somehow – bring value back to Sam Darnold and you win football games with him, then what do you have to lose? Yeah. Um, FYI guys, uh, especially going into the next years. Sorry. Sorry, Clancy. You're, you're at a delay. I thought thought you were done. My bad. Uh, I just, I just read on CBS that Trey Lance back in February. Yeah. Beginning of February that he had reported he would be ready for the off season program. So, I mean, we're going to see, we're going to see what, like what the deal is. And if he does beat out Trey Lance, what does that tell us? Because, because also to just to answer your question, Spence, I read reports that not only had, were they shopping around like for the Minnesota swap, I read before that, that they were shopping him to D'Amico, like the Texans were talking. I also read that the Patriots made a phone call to swap him and Mac. Yeah, I think I, the rumors I've heard, 
were similar ones, but it was all it was always rumors of those teams are contacting them. It was yeah. never the 49ers actively shopping Trey Lance. Sure. It was if you want to give us a first or a second for Trey Lance, we'll take that. But the, I think they were trying to see what offers they could get, but they weren't like actively saying, okay, we're going to trade Trey Lance. You know what I mean? Because they knew they had Brock Purdy, they were like, well, if we can get some capital back on Lance, we'll do it. So I don't think they were actively shopping him. Do you think that at this point, though, that it's fair in, in this maybe not even be like not to repeat that, but be a fair question, but it was Trey Lance's team coming into the year an injury pulled him down. Why, given again, we know the capital that they gave up for him. Why did have they not come out and said when Trey Lance, because we've seen it happen before. Trey Lance is healthy. He's our quarterback. They haven't done that. So if you're so confident in that, why have you not done that? I've read things about the locker room. The locker room really likes Brock. Uh, they've kind of adopted him and loved him and surrounded him. I would also argue, man, because you've seen like pretty bad injuries like that before. It takes a guy a year or two to kind of get get going, one, to get it moving and get active and throwing from that in injury like that. But then to his head, dude, like you got to see you. You're, you're seeing somebody on a weekly basis because if, you know, you when you you know, read articles, read stories, or see interviews of these athletes that have these major injuries, it's in their head. Like, they're in their head. Like, if I land wrong, if I step wrong, if I do this wrong, like, I feel like it's hurting, and it's not really hurting, but I'm telling myself it's hurting. It's going to take about another year to kind of get all this stuff kind of worked out with them. Uh, and so I, I think the 49ers are smart and saying, hey, we're, we're going we're gonna to take this process a little slow. We got insurance like Sam Darnold. We got insurance like Brock, and we're going to let this man heal because you're right. It is a big investment, and it's hard to kind of punt and say, hey, we're done uh, with, with the Trey Lance exper uh, experiment when, I mean, it's just, it, it didn't even get started, right? Yeah. I just think it's – I do agree. It is a real big investment that they've made, uh, and so they got to take care of that investment, give it its time, right, and let it see what it does. Uh, and if it, and if again, if he bounces back from injury quick, his head is there, uh, then boom, we're we're ready to go. If not, like, then then you're in bigger problems. You know, it's it does seem a little bit like to me that the the other, I think there may be a, a third element to all of this, where they look at Darnold of potentially being that Jimmy G, right? I mean, I think that it's fair to say that they really liked having Jimmy G as the insurance to Lance because of. You like y'all said when you have that running quarterback, it's something different. It's something that's explosive. He hasn't had it before. But the downside is that they are going to get hurt. It's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when are they going to get hurt. We've seen every single one of the quarterbacks that are mobile in the league get hurt at least one season since they've been in the league. Six, even like through all the success. So, I think that that is also a possibility because I mean, let's just be honest. If you're able to get a little bit better than Brock Purdy out of Darnold. I mean, that's a win. And, and and to me, a little bit better than Brock Purdy is probably around a Jimmy G, wouldn't you say? That's probably fair. And you're getting, I mean, you call it a poor man's Jimmy G. You don't have to pay him a Jimmy G salary. Derek Carr. <laughs> I saw that coming. Yeah, he, he, he did it. He poked that little, little stab in there on you. Oh, I'm like Dylan Brooks. I poke bears. Oh, Goodness. No, that did not end well for him. I do not poke bears. I, I disavow that. that statement. I disavow. All right. What do we got next, boys? 
Well, Clancy, I know you've been in and out. Do you have anything to add there, buddy? Not of meaningful that you guys haven't already said. The other angle, I don't see it likely, but Kyle Shanahan's no dummy. What if they open the playbook and it ends up being like a New Orleans situation with Taysom Hill? <laughs> then, I mean, <laughs> it's a possibility of them as versatile enough for that really to be um, in the cards, but yeah, it'd be fun to see. That's interesting. It'd be interesting. I don't know if I'm letting the uh, all that capital run around on the field, though, and try and catch some passes. <laughs> yeah. Who's to say he's not using Sam Darnold in that way? Oh, dude, he can run all over the place. Seeing, he'll be seeing ghosts, though, bro. <laughs> this guy. Look, as as big and, 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 and as, as uh, much of a train I think Darnold can be when he's running downfield, I don't know if that boy can catch a pass. <laughs> I don't know if you got any Nick Foles in him. Hey, I'm I'm pretty big and I got hands, so it, it's possible. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Moving on. What do we got next, Spencer? Let us know. Yeah, so uh, if you boys are as big of nerds as me, um, y'all know the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 uh, just came out this past weekend. Um, I've already seen it. I laughed. I cried. It was a great experience. I highly recommend anyone um, that has not seen any of the Guardians movies. You don't need to watch all the other Marvel movies. I had a lot of people ask that. You don't need to watch those. Just go watch the Guardians movies. They're the cream of the crop. But with that being said, it got me thinking. Like, you know, I'm such a nerd for comic book movies and for sports and for football specifically. What what would a cast of NFL players, how would we cast them into the Guardians of the Galaxy universe? So um, we can go through maybe like five or six of the big ones. We're definitely not going to go into any of the minor characters. But uh, I have a I have the Wikipedia descriptions of the characters pulled up. I'll go ahead. I'll read through them. I have some ideas written down of my own, but we'll we'll talk about some NFL players we think kind of fit the description of these uh, characters. So we'll start off with the main with the main character, uh, Star Lord, played by Chris Pratt. The half-human, half-celestial leader of the Guardians of the Galaxy, who was abducted from Earth as a child and raised by a group of alien thieves and smugglers called the Ravagers. In the film, Quill's in a state of depression. Oh, this is, this. sorry, don't want to go into it too much, but that's kind of the gist of it. He's half-human, half-celestial leader of the Guardians of the Galaxy, who was abducted from Earth as a child and raised by a group of alien thieves and smugglers called the Ravagers. Does that strike y'all as anyone? I have one that comes to mind, but I'll let y'all go first. So are we going this I, I off have, of like leadership, or are we going like based off like we need to? Give However, you want to make the connection. Because okay. if we give like an answer that the player is not like at a superstar level, like I don't want to get roasted. For hey, it. don't no. ever think it, man. This is not yeah. serious at this all. This is fun. <laughs> Probably get roasted anyway, though. I got a funny one. I can't wait. I'm ready for mine. Go ahead, Sly. I, I would say mine. Uh, my Star Lord is Tom Brady. Uh, I would say he was kind of counted out early on, right? Kind of not taken seriously. And all of a sudden he comes in and is the guy, right? Uh, I would even go on. I know we're not talking about side characters, but I'm going to go ahead and give Bill Belichick the Yondu 
like the daddy role, right? And Odile <laughs> is the daddy role, you know, like, hey, I, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not your father, I'm your daddy. I'm, I'm giving Bill Belichick that role and doing that. I think the combo of them to make a beautiful story, even though in the real Love world, that. in our Gardens of the Galaxy, it didn't end well for Yondu and our Star Lord. Uh, but in, in, in this kind of make-believe world, I, I would say my Star Lord is Tom Brady with his daddy, Yondu being Billy B. My my Star Lord is going to be Aaron Rodgers because he got taken from his home in Green Bay and abducted by the New York Jets. That is my Star Lord. Listen, as long as he wins battles. <laughs> It'd be cliche. I'll put mine as Mahomes. Oh, Everybody that was mine. Everybody loves that him. Was, that was mine. Okay. All right, I'm coming out of left field here, and I'll give you context. But mine's Kirk Cousins, because Kirk Cousins, because of the per again, I'm going off a of personality, okay, in the background. Okay. To me, Cousins' personality is kind of a little cocky with a little funny. Like I feel like Kirk Cousins like came in right, yeah. being being set like kind of like forgotten about because he was there to back up Ro uh, Robert Griffin after he himself was actually a pretty proven guy. And then, you know, Griffin goes down and he emerges as this guy that is then sought after and has now, like, rest his claim in Viking land. Okay. Who's, who's, who's sotting after Kirk Cousins? I mean, <laughs> he got a full guaranteed bag from Minnesota, brother. Before guaranteed contracts were a thing, I'd say that's I feel like if there's, a, if there's a, a cocky attitude that would fit Star-Lord as an NFL quarterback... It's got to be Baker Mayfield, right? Like, uh, I feel like oh, that is a perfect, perfect comparison. It even yeah. kind of looks like Chris Pat a little bit. Yes. Okay, you win. Okay. And argue, an argument for mine, one more. Star-Lord has anger issues, right? Like, right in the middle of the big battle with, with Thanos. He starts punching him in the face. Tom Brady, what do you do with that iPad? What do you nope, do with that iPad? It. He threw it. What do you do with yeah. the iPad? He got mad at it and started yep. beating yep. it up. That's All funny. Right. Let's go on to the next one. This We're going to do Gamora. And, um... The description of her reads, an adopted daughter of Thanos, renowned as the galaxy's deadliest assassin. Gamora had a falling out with her father that caused her to rebel against him, thereby making her an enemy of Thanos and his associates. Her fugitive status led to her becoming a member of the Guardians. Um, and then, of course, she was killed after being used as a sacrifice by Thanos to claim the Soul Stone. I, mine is going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. Mr. Jimmy G. Got abandoned by his daddy, Tom Brady, traded to the 49ers, then got moved on to the Raiders and is going to get replaced eventually next year when the Raiders shit the bed. <laughs> okay, All right. I've got, I've got two. Okay. So the first one is, I think, AB. Okay. Andrew Brown. Mm. So the, you know. The, the the golden child gets let go by his by his home team, goes on, kind of becomes a con, and, and has has some some issues, but then gets pulled back into the good graces of the Avengers squad, the Guardians, with Mr. Tom Brady himself to <laughs> okay. help out with the championship. And then the the second one would be in a a kind of similar. Or I guess less like uh, same road fashion, but Devonte Adams. Mm. Mm. Okay, because you can always rely on him, baby. No matter where he's at, he's still an assassin. 
Yeah, so I my pick for this Gamora is going to be Tyreek Hill. All right, oh, that's a good one. Abandoned good one. by his father Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and the Chiefs went to you know a reject bums, a bunch of bums kind of, or so they were thought to be um, in Miami, and they actually surprised a lot. They actually put together a pretty solid team down there, um, and of course, like Gamora, she's silky smooth with it with the the sword in her hand and Tyreek Hill's routes are silky smooth so he's my pick yeah and also like too e- even though you know just like with Star Lord you know when Tua just gets knocked down and, and loses she still backs him <laughs> yep that's right <laughs> yeah, yeah. I- I'm gonna go a little bit unconventional I'm gonna go with Jettas man you know Gamora has that kind of smooth fighting style you know elegant and graceful Jettas is like that on the field yeah. as wide receiver he's just smooth and graceful uh Jetta's daddy coach O is just as crazy as Thanos and so uh, <laughs> you, know, Tigers. You, you, you got you got some kind of craziness there in the family there right but the elegant smooth and grace uh and eventually the Vikings will sacrifice him uh because I I don't I don't see the Vikings winning a, a ring anytime soon so yeah like that I'm gonna I'm going to flip the script on Sly and say Brady was the Gamora, even after retiring. Uh, okay. Belichick is daddy, the Thanos, crazy, part ways. Uh, he's a little bit violent with the tablets we established, and he cries like a girl when he gets hit. Launching <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the win. Hey, honestly, Gamora, Gamora is a lot more manlier than that. <laughs> That's funny. I like it. All right. The next one, moving on. Let's do Jack Drax the Destroyer. So um, he is a Kylosian. I'm, 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 I am a nerd, but I'm not that nerdy. So a Kylosian, I'm hoping I'm saying that right, who has been driven only by a burning desire to obtain vengeance against Ronan the Accuser who killed his wife and daughter. Following Ronan's death, Drax realizes that Thanos is the true perpetuator of his family's demise and vows to kill the Titan when the time comes. Drax's quest for revenge resulted in him joining the Guardians. Uh, okay, that's all we'll read for that one. So, who does Drax the Destroyer of my job? I'm, I'm going to take this one first, um, only because Tyler's already mentioned him. This is where I'm going for Antonio Brown. Because um, Antonio Brown in his heyday was a bona fide killer. But then, you know, as things kind of progressed... He just started just saying some crazy shit. The dude just says some wild out-of-pocket things, yeah. does out-of-pocket things. And yeah. frankly, Drax the Destroyer it had a similar path. Like, before the the events of Guardians 1, he was a just a known, just brute killer. Um, but then once he became part of the Guardians, he kind of softened a little bit. And then he just, and, you know, in the, in the last three mu- the movies, he was just, you know, a lot of times he was of comedic uh, relief, uh, had a lot of comedic value. So he wasn't so serious That's anymore. One. That's a good one. That's a really, really good one. I like that. I like that. I was going to say Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is mine, just a monster of a man, destroyer. You know, when if you're a QB running back, you don't want to see that man on the other side. So mine mine was Aaron Donald. Is he beatable? Absolutely, if you have the right squad. Uh, but it's, it's going to take a squad to be able to beat him. Uh, so mine is Aaron Donald. But, man, I like the AB. Oh, That's... I, I got AB for somebody later on. But, but, but man, I think that one fits a whole lot better. That, that's funny, Sly, because I was going to have two and Aaron Donald was going to be one of them. But my number one was Derrick Henry because he okay. is a destroyer. You put that yeah, stiff yeah. arm out, he's putting you in the ground. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it may not go along with the storyline that much, but you mentioned something about killing Titans. 
He might be killing Titans if he gets traded, <laughs> but he is the destroyer at the end of the day. It's a good point. Mine's out of left field. I'm grasping at straws a little bit, but I think it's funny and it fits. Marcus Peters, because he's violent and he will die for anyone from Oakland. Remember the stories <laughs> about him and Marshawn Lynch getting in fights with the fans in the stands, playing yeah. and went and sat in the stands. The dude, the city of Oakland is that dude's family, and he will go toe to toe with anyone over it. So, eh. I like that one. All right, I got two again. First one, I'm a, I'm gonna throw back a little bit. Ray Lewis just doesn't really mean to be funny because he's so crazy. Real life killer. It, Real, Real life, life killer. Yeah. <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. And allegedly. dude, an absolute animal that you are terrified. The the scary side of that hardcore Ravens defense for those years. And then second one, this is where I'm going to say my boy, Mr. Aaron Rodgers, because Rodgers is just can just be that guy that just makes it awkward just to do it. And in the beginning of his career, he was very, I feel like, a lot more put together, a lot more cared more about, you know, what the public viewed, and then very much so just kind of loose enough to kind of like, I do not give a crap. All right. So uh, I, guess, I think we'll do two more. We'll just we'll keep it to, like, the big ones. The next one we'll do Rocket Raccoon, a genetically altered raccoon with enhanced intelligence. However, years of repetitive genetic rewrite and abuse resulted in Rocket developing a cynical and vain personality, making him an ideal mercenary and teammate to the other Guardians. Who do y'all have for Rocket Raccoon? Let me go first. I got a great one. And this is, this is going a little different direction. Mike McDaniels. Okay. Mike McDaniels, to me, the way he presents himself, talks, he's so chill and just, just unapologetically just honest about how he says things and how he acts to me that is exactly the definition of who rocket is just unapologetically completely unfiltered and he's a great teammate everybody loves mike mcdaniels that's a really good one i like that one a lot this is my ab right so here's ab again making an appearance because you know when you needed him he was reliable ready for battle the same time, you do something crazy like, hey, I want that guy's right arm. Hey, I'm just going to jump into the pool completely naked, right? Like, you know, you have this kind of random, wild, like you have no idea what he's about to say. Uh, and so mine mine was was AB for here. Clients. Yeah, it pains me to go this direction, but I think it's it's the one that fits. I'll go Kyler Murray because him and Rocker are the same size, <laughs> plays with weapons. Oh, that's great. Plays with Rockets uh, notoriously carrying a gun like way bigger than him. So Kyler, he's got uh, historically, he's got the good good feet playing it. So uh, there it goes. It fits. I like it. I was going to use the AB one, but Sly used it. And I, for the life of me, can't think of another one that I like. So yeah, um, this is one. This one's going to be Aaron Rodgers for me. Um, mainly because he, he's not the biggest dude, although, you know, Rogers, of course, isn't small, uh, but he's not the biggest, like for a quarterback side, he's really not the biggest. He's a little bit on the smaller side. Um, and he is, he's absolutely a killer. No doubt about that. And also he says, whatever is on his mind, 
He apologizes to no one for his opinions, and that's exactly how Rocket is too. Um, but I gotta admit, I think Tyler's uh, Mike McDaniel pick was the winner for me there. I really like that one a lot. All right, uh, we all we all went on that one, right? Yep. I, so the last one we'll do, and this one is gonna be a crowd favorite, is gonna be Groot. Groot, a sentient tree-like individual and accomplice of Rocket Raccoon, Groot's physiolog- physiology renders the limits of his speech to the phrase. I am Groot, and we are Groot, due to having a wooden larynx. Though Groot's vocabulary is only limited to five words, he usually tries to communicate with other meanings. The only way to understand Groot's speech is for someone to translate what he is trying to say, which Rocket and Quill are able to do as they have spent enough time with him. I was going to say Mike Mike McDaniel here for Groot. Just because (laughs) me, when I picture Groot, it's like this... I know he has his moments where he's not like this, but it's kind of like fun, loving, just hanging out, vibing. You know what I mean? Like, and every time I look at Mike McDaniel, he's just sitting there and he says the most random things, which kind of reminds me of every time Groot says, I am Groot, because it can mean so many different things. So every time Mike McDaniel says something, you could look at it from every different angle and be like, oh, that's what he means. Or, oh, that's what he means. You know what I mean? So I like Mike McDaniel for that. Yeah, I'm going to dip. Since we're doing coaches, I'm going to dip into college, though. And I'm going to go throwback Coach O, Coach Ed Ogeron, only because he he liked Coach McDaniel's very happy-go-lucky guy. But I also think the only words in his vocabulary are, go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. All right. I I got two good ones for you again. So the first one, I'm going the man, Mr. Marshawn Lynch. Dang it! That was mine. I knew I was going to take somebody, so I had to say it first. I thought Craig was going to say it. I'm just here so I won't get fined. Exactly. <laughs> Don't get a lot out of them. But when you do, you cannot understand a word that man says. Hey, and take he, care of your chickens. Hey, take, take, take care of your chickens. <laughs> take and care of your chickens. And he'll do random stuff that's just very odd, like when you steal a golf cart and drive it around on the mm. field. And then my second one is going to be uh, Carl Nassib. If you guys don't remember, throwing back to the hard knocks, Carl Nassib, this big guy, kind of quiet, and then when you ask him about, they they were talking about how he's so like keen on savings and finances, all of a sudden he just starts just going crazy, and he was holding like all these uh, like trainings and stuff like that, where you got all these guys that just are like, football, football. And him being a quiet, you know, big old burly white dude that's all of a sudden like they you talk about finances and he just starts talking stuff that nobody understands. I would say for mine, I got two. Baby Groot was is gonna be was my Kyler Murray. I think Baby Groot is you know, he's always playing video <laughs> games, always on the video yeah. games, always spending his <laughs> time on that. Again, size as well. So baby Groot is gonna be Kyler, but Talking about big group, uh, that's my Rob Gronkowski. You don't, you don't know what you know. What he's gonna say he's wild, he's crazy. But hey, when you need that muscle power, you know what? He's there for you. So uh, baby group, Kyler, normal group, Gronkowski. All right. Well, that's do I need to pull another ones. one out or okay? Oh, do you want? I mean, if we if you have another one you'd like to to say one for, I think it's that's a, like that's the main six. I mean, if you want to do Nebula or Mantis, I'd be open for those. I'll I'll, I'll rehash uh, because 
Tyler stole Skittles from me. Uh, I'll throw Brian Cushing out there as Groot. Because okay. brought up the interesting point of hard knocks. The dude talks shit nonstop. Says the same thing over and over. I am Groot. I am Groot. He's violent. <laughs> but Sly and I have a little insider on this one. Nicest guy in person. Could be. Still kind of get to that that soft center and he's a nice guy kind of like group so i'll go with brian cushion all right right on sorry i, I didn't realize you were gonna have you're gonna take another pick there Clancy, but all good i was i was racking my brain sorry yeah last no, no worries do, do anyone does anyone want to do i mean we got a little bit of time uh do y'all want to do nebula or um mantis i didn't come up with any for them but they are they're definitely two of the main characters, especially Nebula for the final. Actually, honestly, she was in all three of them. She's a very big role in all three of the movies. Nebula, I'm trying to think of a journeyman, somebody who's been on multiple teams, <laughs> you know, like never given their fair shake until finally they land to, to the place. Gino Smith? Oh, that's a good one. Oh, that is a good one. I'm trying wow. to think of like, I'm trying to think of maybe like a wide receiver journey. Oh, you know what? I got, oh, I got a Brandon Cooks. No, got an even better one. You know, Nebula was built in a lab, right? Was built in a lab by her father in a torturous way, right? How about Josh Gordon? How about Josh Gordon, a journeyman wide receiver who at the peak of his career was just absolutely electric, but has gone a lot of places, been a journeyman, but was no doubt a physical freak who was built in a freaking lab. That guy was sensational. So I can, I'll give you that one for Nebula. Mine, I'm going to give you a little, how about Tyrod Taylor, who seems to always get get the backseat on every team he gets signed to because of the new shiny toy that gets drafted, and he's just expected to just get replaced every time, knowingly, and sometimes unknowingly, and just ha- never seemed to work out for him uh, to, to really stick after they give him the keys. Huh. I, you know, today I learned he's still in the league. He's still a backup for the Giants. Yes, he is. Good for him. <laughs> that guy has gotten so unlucky, it's crazy. Yeah. We had those, those string of years where he would sign with the team and then their uh, rookie uh, backup would supplant him and by the middle of the season. It happened like Buffalo, three years in a row. Cleveland, and then the Chargers. And the Texans. And the Texans, yeah. that's right. And let's not forget, <laughs> he literally got screwed by the medical staff for the chargers that's true <laughs> they, they they in fact yeah. collapsed his his lung yeah because he would have started that year i think Absolutely. that whole year man but in a I way like, shouldn't this go ahead Sly. i was saying i was for mantis i like to throw my uh name in i like to throw in russell wilson just kind of emotional right uh can feel uh, you know what everybody else is going to but weird awkward uh so much so that people are like I, I really don't want to hang out with this guy so they 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 skip out on the party that Sierra throws for them right just because they're that kind of awkward and weird <laughs> right not that they, they they're part of the team but just doesn't feel like they're part of the team I like Tom Brady for Mantis just an emotional crybaby <laughs> if things don't go his way he's crying Oh man, I don't. I feel like this is mantis slander. Mantis is one of my favorite characters. How no, about, I know. I, I, how about it's we go, definitely not. Yeah, here's one I'm gonna give for you, and it's I'm gonna give you a player who, like Mantis, can really like read your mind, right? Can has a sense of what you're gonna do before you even do it. And I'm not gonna go quarterback here. 
I'm going to go safety Ed Reed, a guy who knew quarterbacks' tendencies better than they even knew it themselves. Peyton Manning's talked about this a lot. Bill Belichick's talked about it a lot, how Ed Reed, you could not get anything past him. He could read you like a book, just like Mantis did. So I'll, I'll say Ed Reed for Mantis. I'm, I'm going to go over to uh, a past jet, and I'm going to say Jamal Adams because of how outspoken and kind of just like, yeah, I know I'm good. But as though, although he'll have moments where he does not show up but continue to like have that confidence, he still has a lot of moments where he's still that killer. For Mantis? We're talking about the same guy. Mantis is the one with the antennas. We've done Nebula and Mantis. Yeah, we kind of went. We kind of. Were you talking about Nebula? No, I was talking about the guy with the with the Afro Star Killers. Oh, that's Yondu. Sorry, that's who I'm thinking of. Gosh, not I'm not as nerdy, guys. Yeah, what's the opposite of calling someone a nerd? (laughs) Simp. A cool guy. Yeah, you cool guy. <laughs> Too cool for comic book movies, you cool guy. Shame. <laughs> so I'll make this comparison acknowledging full well I haven't seen the new movie. But because Nebula is just in pieces and they keep putting her back together, at least through a lot of the oh, Avenger stuff. Oh no. I'll go with Car- I'll go with Carson Wentz. Did some damage <laughs> at one point. What? You think no, that's I, bad? No, I like it. I'm just laughing at it. We'll come back, do some damage at one point. <laughs> Question is, what's it doing damage to? Doing damage for your team or against your team? That's up for debate. Uh, and then, interesting, Tyler brought up Hard Knocks, and now I can't let it go. I keep Mantis, for some reason, reminds me of, I think it's John Fassel special teams coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. Mm. So you see him. He's a special teams coordinator for the Rams when he's on hard knocks, but he's well-traveled a bit nerdy, but emotional. If, if you guys see like go YouTube them, you'll look at it and be like, ah, I see it. it, it <laughs> there's a fit there. I like it. All okay. Right. Let me, let me try again at Nebula. Cause I remember now and I'll give you my reasons behind what I remember. Nebula or Mantis? Sorry, Mantis. I can't keep it straight, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, cool guy. How, how about Nick Foles? Real nice guy. Randomly just shows up and has these just crazy moments where you're like, oh, wow, you can do that? Yeah, I, I don't hate that. And low-key, Mantis is low-key slept on. Like, I'm going to get real nerdy here. But if you remember back in Infinity War, she put that man Thanos to sleep. That's crazy to me. She yeah. that's a that's a celestial right there, and she just and sleep boils hey, out. Nick Foles <laughs> want, got that took picked up, got the ring, and also he's uh, he's got seven touchdowns in a game. He was Accurate. also cut this week. Yes, was he? Really? He also sucks. <laughs> yeah. Did, does Mantis die in this movie? Just to uh, <laughs> I fit Nick Foles. Scouts honor. I will. Scouts honor, man. I will never, ever, ever spoil any movie. You're not going to get a single bit of information out of me. Scouts honor, man. No way. Thank you. 
Watching yeah, this see, I'm the weirdo that I'm gonna go probably go look up the movie tonight. Yeah, yeah. no, go go, spoilers. go watch it in theaters, y'all. It was so good. I'm telling you, I laughed, I cried, I had a good old time. It was awesome. Spencer, I can't wait till it comes out on Twitter, like like Super Mario. Super Mario's on Twitter for oh, like yeah. a week straight. But if you're taking a four year old and a 12 month old to a uh, to a movie, I haven't, but I think I'd hate you if you did. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna like do everybody solid. Not go I feel computer. I feel the same way about me and I'm 27, so I get it, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> uh what Spencer always say, like, you know, as much as, as I think that it's that it 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 is, you know, something that people are gonna watch, I'm just gonna illegally stream it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fair. So right. I got a question for you guys. Uh I know we're we're making record timing for a roundtable. There, we we talked about. There's two different subjects that I can kind of bounce between here for for tonight to kind of bring back up. But one of them that I think is a little more. We'll get a little more passion, especially with Clancy on here with Spence. Um, there was a thing that was sent around in the group chat today about the comparison of Josh Allen to Dak Prescott's numbers. And I'm going to throw it at you, Spence. How much validity are you giving that? And depending on how long this goes, we'll go into, we might jump into the, the next, the other topic we had. Um, I, I said it in the group chat, but it was a very wildly misleading stat. And I ended up, I looked up the real number. Um, it was only looking at passing touchdowns. If you add in rushing touchdowns, Josh Allen clears him by more than 10. So I, I know no validity to it. Josh Allen's much better quarterback than Dak Prescott. I'm not a Dak hater. I, I think he's, he's fine. I don't say he sucks. I think he's fine. He's, we've seen he him. Sucks. We've seen him play. I wouldn't go that far. We've seen him play at a high level before. He led the league in interceptions last year. Um, that's fine. Uh, Jameis Winston has before. Peyton Manning has before. So to me, like, that's a stat that's like, not really the stickiest, like, you know, not that Jameis Winston is in the same breath as Peyton Manning, but you know what I mean. Like, it, it doesn't really mean much because you can also throw for a bunch of touchdowns. Like, interceptions are a weird stat. Um, but I don't think there's any debate. I think Josh Allen is a head and shoulders better quarterback than Dak Prescott. And I don't think I, – I don't know. I don't know how you could say otherwise. The other angle for those stats, Craig and I were talking about this a little bit earlier – how long did it take Dak Prescott to play those 33 games versus Josh Allen? Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. Probably four years. Josh Allen, that's two seasons flat. Yeah. Yes, it was. He missed so one if game. We, if we back up three years for the Cowboys, suddenly that's a receiving core with a CD Lamb there at that point, Amari Cooper. Look at all the weapons Dak had. For at least some of those versus Dalton what Schultz. Josh Allen had. Yeah. That was, in fact, three years. It was the 2020 season through the 2022 season. Also, too, if you okay. put if you put Josh Allen on those, I mean, I'll, I don't think this is really that far-fetched. Swap teams. I think Josh Allen probably wins a Super Bowl. Because I no, think... No, because Mike McCarthy screws it up. I, hey, let me put it this way. If there are... If, if, Aaron Rodgers proved anything. It's that he can, he, you know, superstars can get Mike McCarthy a ring. So I just think with that That's core, fair. with that, with that backfield, 
I mean, that's one thing Josh Allen's never had is a legitimate backfield to take the pressure off of him to be able to sling it appropriately. And I mean, I mean, let me let me just ask you guys this: like, given um, we're talking complete teams, okay? Are you taking like we're talking the 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 pinnacle of this player on that team versus the others? What I'm referring to, Stephon Diggs and Ceedee Lamb on the Bills versus the Cowboys. Are you still taking Stephon Diggs as like the best he's been for the Bills since he's been there? Or are you going to take CeeDee Lamb the best he's been thus far with the Cowboys? Because that's interesting. Because I don't think that he's his prime was necessarily, if it was there, I think it might have been one to maybe two years. I think that Stephon Diggs' best years maybe were the Vikings. I could be wrong statistically, but it feels that way. I've never seen somebody drop important passes the way C.D. Lamb does. I'll say that. Stephon Diggs, like, I, I get it. He's lost a step. He's getting up there in age. I, I don't feel like he makes stupid plays. He'll make the plays he's supposed to make, and he'll shine and lay out and pull in stuff that would be hard to get, but he doesn't. He doesn't screw up the plays he's supposed to make, and I've seen C.D. Lamb do that. I, I, I think it's close. Um, I will say, Tyler, I, I looked it up, and without a doubt, just statistically production-wise, there's no, there's no competition between the Bills, Diggs, and the Vikings, Diggs. Bills, Diggs clears that. him. No, Bills, Diggs oh, clears Bill him Diggs does. significantly. Okay. Okay. Like, 1,500 yards his first season in Buffalo – Whereas the and he's he's cleared twelve hundred each season in Buffalo. The most he had in Minnesota was eleven hundred, and three Pro Bowls with with the Bills in all three seasons. None with the Vikings. Yeah. So it, it, there's it, no. It's actually much in the favor of okay. Bills. But and, and, I honestly and, don't have. I honestly don't have much of an opinion on Lamb versus Diggs. Honestly, I think they're both, you know, top elite talents. Um, but you know, pick your flavor, I guess. I think Diggs is just one of those guys that's just super consistent. Um, I think uh, I've me and Craig have talked about this before. My opinion on Diggs is I think that Diggs is a poor man's DeAndre Hopkins. I, I think that he, they play similar in the sense that they're not the tallest guys on the field, but they are consistent. They get open. Their release and the route running is so good, and they play a little bit above the ball when they need to. Uh, obviously, saying that, head and shoulders, I think, to me, Deshaun – or sorry, DeAndre Hopkins is a way better receiver. But I do think that there are some elements to their game that is a little bit similar in what they, they do. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, though, uh, didn't, doesn't Diggs play a lot out of the slot as well? No, he plays everywhere. No, does he, does he, he plays play everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. In fact, in, in Minnesota, Thielen was their slot guy. Right. I, 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 okay. I couldn't remember, remember that side of it. So, but I mean, he's a guy they use everywhere. Like, like, like most, like uh, Bill O'Brien and Cliff Kingsbury used Hopkins in the same right. way. They, they put him everywhere. So, going back to the original topic, there we're looking at from the receiver level. I, I mean, I don't. You can make the case that it's one A, one B, or sorry, one A, two A between the two. Because you know, if you want to put Taylor Gabriel with Diggs as opposed to Ceedee Lamb and Cooper, 
or how, how what's your feeling on that like when you put it in that perspective oh i think dak prescott had much better weapons when he had cd and amari cooper that those were two really really good weapons and you throw in you know at that the first year was um i believe that was the blake jarwin year that wasn't quite dalton schultz yes but then Jol- dalton schultz has been the guy for the last two years so i i think um now i mean granted josh allen had dawson knox gabe davis i don't know i i think and oh, you know what here's another thing too that i think that's important to mention where's where's josh allen's run game they have none but the cowboys have had for the last feels like a decade have had one of the best run games in the entire league could you imagine if josh allen was actually able to run a play action that they were scared of things could be scary Yep. scary hours so if you guys don't have anything else to to say on that i got one more topic before we kind of wind this 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 train down to the end uh, let's bring her home there's been some discussions that we've talked about, you know, about Denver with Sean Payton. And, you know, I want to field it to you guys, and I want to really kind of dive into this just for a minute. Do we think that Sean Payton's actually going to be able to right the ship in Denver? And if he is, what realistic realistically does that timeline look like? Are we looking at a situation where maybe a Bruce Arians taking over the Bucks, where it's kind of a – We'll see as the years go on because I think that's we didn't doing that. We knew okay, Bruce ain't gonna be here too terribly much longer. And I don't know, you know, is Sean Payton really looking at this in the long haul as like say Bill Belichick who will probably die on the field, um, <laughs> or is because this is a good team. I mean, on paper, we look at it with the talent they have. They have pieces that you would think on paper. Would, would make them desirable. So I'm going to toss it over to y'all and, um, and we'll just kind of float it around. Yeah, I, for me, I would say it depends on if Sean Payton can get the team to come around Russ. If he can't do that right and he does all his magic and is the coach, is the leader, but still can't get the team around Russ, man, they're going to be in trouble because they got no picks for a while, right? So it really, for me, depends on his relationship with Russ. Can he get Russ out of his office and, I don't know, use that office as the closet or something, you know, remove the parking spots for family members uh, and reserve them for players? Like, can he remove all the special privileges and make Russ just another player in the team? I think that's kind of the biggest thing that you'll see. Um, it, it's kind of hard. Like, I would think, man, like when the ownership kind of gives you – I mean, we – as Houstonians, right? Like we saw this kind of a little bit with the Texans, right? You had the McNair saying, Hey, Watson, like, who do you want for, uh, you know, GM and coach? Like, what, like what's up? And and then before you know, when they're like, Oh, wait, wait a minute. We, we, we really didn't want that from you. We're, we're kind of going to do this on our own. Uh, then it became a whole entire, you know, issue. Same thing. I think over there in, in, uh, in, in Denver, if the Walmart family, right. Came up to this cat and said, Hey, you get your office, you get this, you get that, you get all these kind of special privileges. And they kind of all of a sudden remove that, man, that's tough, right? Uh, it's tough on a quarterback. We put a lot of investment in a lot of money in. Uh, and so for me, it depends on how much can Sean Payton really do in controlling that and maneuvering that and working that out. I, I think he's a man. I think he's a great coach, but at the same time, like, I don't know. Y'all guys may just, I, I know it's tough in the NFL and things like that, but man, they, 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 they gave up a lot and did a lot 
for a guy that's only won one ring. And he had he had Drew Brees, man, and he had amazing talent multiple years and to only walk away with one ring. Don't get me wrong, they got close, and many times you can maybe write them off as lucky breaks, like that one uh, year with the Vikings and things like that. But, man, like just to, again, just one ring to kind of show for it, I, I don't I – don't, I wouldn't put him up there as an all-time great. So that's just me, though. I think with Sean I Payton – could... Oh, go ahead, Quanta. You go ahead. Okay. Um, I kind of touched on this a little bit post-draft, but I think to look at Russ now was the impact of Pete Carroll when he was in Seattle. Um, see what he's doing with Geno as well. I, I'm skeptical that Sean Payton can do it because if we look at time in New Orleans, Drew Brees was a Hall of Fame quarterback. He was a good quarterback before he got to New Orleans. I I don't see that Sean Payton can fix everything that's going on there. You can't fix injuries either, right? The The receiving core is historically not healthy. Cortland Sutton's never played a full season, to my knowledge. Jerry Judy hasn't either. Running back depth, Javante Williams was Samaj P. Ryan doesn't fix that. I I don't I'm not a believer. I'll cut cut to the chase. I don't think it's there. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna make that three for three. I don't see it working out. I will say of Sean Payton though, I don't think the Denver season is gonna not work out because of him. I think he actually is a very good coach. Would I have given up the draft capital to go get him? I would not have. Um, that's a high price to pay for a head coach that, you know, even if he is a, he is the best available, you, I'd rather take my shot on a, just some offensive coordinator, you know, waiting for their first, like their first head coaching opportunity than, you know, a guy who um, was retired and a uh, granted again, a good coach, but giving up a, a day two pick, like that's, that's just too much for me. Um, it was a day two pick or I wouldn't know. It was a first rounder. First rounder. Yeah, Most sorry. Pressure. Yeah, it, even even worse. Like I'm not trading any premium draft capital for a head coach ever. That being said, I think he's a good coach, and I think there was a lot of years like Sly. You mentioned that there he did have some elite talent around them, and they did you know kind of fall out in the playoffs in you know dramatic fashion several years. Sometimes it was controversial. Like I think back to the NFC Championship game with that blatant pass interference that was not called. Yeah. Um, that's, you can't really put that on Sean Payton, but also you have years like the Minneapolis miracle. And, you know, the, there was another loss they had to the, uh, the saints where it was Kyle Rudolph catching a touchdown and the, oh, I'm sorry, they lost to the, the Vikings where Kyle Rudolph caught a touchdown in the corner of the end zone in overtime to beat him. So the saints are no stranger to losing in the playoffs in heartbreaking fashion, but for Denver, the story is going to be Russell Wilson. It's, I, I saw a guy last year who, is not anywhere close to the guy he was in his prime. Yeah. I think last year he was one of the five worst quarterbacks in the league, and I don't see a way – like, I, I don't see Sean Payton's impact really getting him back to his old level of play. In fact, I see them butting heads, and I think, you know, they could get creative. Like, I think in a lot of times, like, the NFL salary cap isn't real in a lot of ways. Um, cause a lot of people are saying, well, the, the Broncos are tied in, they're locked into, or Russell Wilson for at least two more years. I believe it is. I think, I think those numbers are fake. I think salary caps, not even a real thing in a lot of ways, like teams manipulate that thing all the time. So I think the Broncos, 
will find a way after this season to move on for Russell Wilson. I don't see it working, but it's going to yeah. be because of Russell Wilson, not Sean Payton. Yeah, I think y'all touched on pretty much everything I would say. Um, my only thing is, is I think if there's anybody that can put Russell on the right track, it's Sean Payton. Um, but at the end of the day, somebody let Russ cook way too long and he's burnt at this point. <laughs> <laughs> he's burnt all the all the goods, man. Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna agree with 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 everybody. I, I think I think we're going to end up seeing Given up what they did, I don't think this is going to be something where if it fails, I think that he's just going to be like, "We're I'm done. I think you're going to see him rebuild that team. And I think that you're going to see the offensive pieces be the first thing to go. And I think he'll take the remaining defensive pieces and build around it. Because I think that's what he did with the Saints. And that's what worked. That defense got good before that offense did. And, they, man, at the height of Bounty Gate, they were a very mean defense. Well, gee, I yeah, wonder but, why. But but here's but here's the question: Like, does he? You think he wants to do that, right? Like, he made crazy money with the Fox deal, right? Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I know the competitive edge, and when you're a competitor, you always want to compete. But like, one, like, will the Walmart family? I mean, I don't know their name. Sorry, I'm just calling them the Walmart family. Like, like they want to continue to win, right? Like, their 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 butts are getting kicked by Amazon, right? So uh, they don't want to get their butts kicked off on the football field, right? right? And then secondly, like, do they want to? Like, does he want to do that? Like, will he want to endure years? I mean, how many years before they get a first round draft pick again, right? And does he want to endure with the Russell? Like, that's a big investment. You can't just kick the can, like, right away. You're going to have to give it a little bit longer. Got to give it a little bit more time. And so, like, does he want to go through the rebuild? And, again, as Texan fan, rebuilds ain't easy. They don't always pan out. They don't always work out. It takes a lot, a lot of time. So all that to say is I'm not 100% sold, like, if, if it goes, if it takes three years before, say, hey, we're going to blow this thing up and do that, if he's going to be the guy to rebuild it. So let me let me say say this much. I I, I think there's a little a little bit of a of a similarity here. I'll I'll harken back to when Rodgers came over, one of the big things was like, oh my gosh, you're giving up all that for him to play one year when there was never any he never said that it would be one year. It was all just the speculation. I think for in, in any normal situation, you would look at that and go, okay, somebody moving to a new team like has to have that's been in the game so long, you've got to have an understanding of what it takes to win. And I think that the same in the same, you know, concept, I think Sean Payton understands what it takes to win. And I think that if you're leaving that much money, it has to be with the full understanding on both sides. Like, Hey, if this doesn't work out, which it, you know, we don't know what those conversations are like, right. That this is what's going to happen and I can do it this way because i've done it before if your way doesn't work because at the end of the day he can they can say what they want about whether the decision for him to come there had to do with him wanting to work with wilson or not you know if he's getting the keys to a football team he's a football coach first he's not a friend and so he's going to do what's best for that football team and what he knows how to do is sean payton knows how to build a team and he has an eye for talent i think and I think if he's going to do that, it's going to be, I'm going to give this my big, my biggest effort, regardless of if I have the same pieces or not. 
Well, you do know that Sean Payton is going to try something this season on defense that hasn't been tried in over 20-plus years. Do y'all want to know what it is? What? Targeting. No. He's going, <laughs> he's going to start. Well, maybe not necessarily start, but in his cornerback room, he's got a white dude in his cornerback room. Oh, that's right. That's right. Not hasn't it's happened a dog. in like 20 years. Riley Moss. Um, the reason that, that came up, because I did want to look up um, to answer your question, Sly, they do have a first-round pick next year. Okay. And it's their own. So if they decide to tank for a quarterback, they can get their guy. And they could recoup a lot of Caleb picks. Williams time. I really, I really, I don't know about y'all, but I believe that they've got the talent on that team, like that people would give up for. I mean, I know the Jets. Like it was a lot of speculation and a lot of stuff that I read. Guys that are pretty confident that they went after Sutton. I know that there was a couple other teams. I think uh, I want to say the Seahawks might have been one of them, if I remember correctly. Again, I'm new to Twitter, y'all. So like, I don't know what you can trust, what you can't. So, Nothing. but. I, I did see that Sutton and obviously uh, Judy were both sought after from other teams. Yeah. So package package one of them, get you a second. I mean, I would think that at least Judy could get you a second, right? I wouldn't yeah. pay a nickel for Jerry Judy. Had, yeah. I had just I think my difficult I think my difficulty with that though is like, I mean, going back to rebuild is like he had a chance to do that in New Orleans. Is it that he said no because he got tired of the ownership and didn't? I mean, don't get me wrong. Didn't New Orleans and Denver like Denver is a thousand times more beautiful, right? Uh, than, than New Orleans, right? New Orleans is hood. You don't know if you're gonna get stabbed as you're eating your beignets, right? <laughs> but at the same time, like I don't know, man. Like he had the opportunity to do that in New Orleans, where he had the control of the culture, he had control of everything, and then he's just like, no, like so. I don't know, man. Like I'm not sold to Sean Payton. In Denver, like I'm really not. I I think when it's all said and done, Denver's going to kick the can. It may be longer, maybe in in you know five years, but they'll kick the can and and and, and go at it all over again. I like it. So sorry, guys. I'm I'm dead and over here. Um, what what do y'all think the when it comes to him taking the Denver position, was that you think like maybe like a second or third choice? Because there was a whole lot of buzz around, you know, him and Brady getting together in Miami. And then obviously Mike McDaniels got the job. And then there was a whole, uh, even probably just as much as not more about him taking over with the chargers. Yeah. And obviously like, uh, what's his name? Didn't get uh, their head coach did not get let go. Uh, was that Dan Saley? Brandon Staley. Brandon Staley. So do you think that did like in, in all that, it makes me bring a little bit more like maybe I guess evidence that maybe he does want to coach that bad or obviously it could just be smoke, but I mean, it was a lot of smoke. I, I read rumors that as well, that he really wanted Houston because he had the potential, at least at the time, the potential to play with like either Bryce or CJ. Like he really wanted to get a rookie quarterback and kind of experiment and do some new things and stuff like that. Uh, he really was excited about the draft class of quarterbacks early on. Again, more reports and stuff like that that I had read. But at the same time, you know, I don't know, man. Like it's, it's kind of weird. You know, this man was getting paid just to talk about football. No ramifications on other than ratings, right? Like if ratings were bad, okay, cool. They love to go and they still pay him. But by and large, like his performance wasn't really that 
like that in trouble. He would just make his appearance with Colin, uh, right? Come do his thing for Fox and get paid and get paid a nice bag. And so why he came back, it must be for the competition. It must be because he wants to be an all-time great. He feels like he may compete with the old Billy Bill uh, over there. Uh, I, I don't know why. Like, And that's one of those things. Like, I've not read anything that says, hey, this is the reason why he wanted to come back and why he wanted to be in the NFL. So I, I, would- I just think. I just, I mean, I just, I, I, I struggle to understand why he's back in the game because I feel like the game's changed and evolved so much. With guys like Mike McDaniel's, and you got these, you know, uh, the whole entire 49ers tree that's coming out. Like the game has changed; it's been so radically different. Like I feel like he's the old man at sea, right? Like, will he be able to adapt and change and, and learn this kind of new NFL? I mean, he's only been not coaching for what two years now, a year. So I don't know if it's changed too much, but I it, to me, like, I feel like if he's back, like, it's got to be at the end of the day because he loves coaching. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't see why else you would leave all that to come back. Well, you look at, too, like, even recently, you've got, like, Trent Dilfer taking that job um, at at the, the college. Is it it's Providence, right? I think that's I think that's the name of the college. Like, it's a, I think it's like a D, it's not even, I don't think a D1 college, but Dilfer taking his job that he took down there. And then even I think more recently, uh, Jason Witten is actually coaching high school. Now uh, I know, I think he's, uh, he's still doing uh, commentating, I believe, but like, he's like also doing that. And they were trying to get him to take Dilford's job when Dilford moved. And he said he didn't want it. So again, I get like the whole aspect too, of, you know, wanting to make an impact on younger guys and all that sort of thing. But, you know, it is kind of fascinating, right? Like they're those guys are quite like obviously taking a pretty fat check, and you know it's got to be cutting into it to some degree, right? Because if you're doing that, you're taking more time away from what you could be doing more commentary uh, type opportunities, right? But well, sweet. I think that's. Uh, I know a lot of us are on the stream man we've all had a long day of of videos so i appreciate everyone sticking around everyone that's in in the chat been hanging out since uh the mound visit we appreciate it guys as always i appreciate y'all coming on giving your time make sure y'all if you're not already check out the mound visit make stay tuned for some hezzy takes spence has been dropping a bunch of stuff on the instagram at mr fantasy f ball on uh, our channel for his uh youtube stuff Got some more videos coming this week. And as always, Chase Rabbits, me and Craig, we're going to have a video or two this week. So appreciate everybody. Have a good evening, a good rest of the week, and we will see you back here next Monday. Peace.